thought of another thing that seems to be across the board for most couples is a, a reluctance to ask for help or to seek help until things get dire. So if some couples, if they had babysitting every week or every other week and could go out, that would stave off a lot of their problems. But instead of asking for that relatively minor thing, they go years and years without it. And then they, they wake up one day realizing that they're strangers to each other. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Crab and the Cross podcast. I'm your host, Mary Rose, and my guests today are Joseph and Crystal Gruber. This is the very first time that I've had a married couple on the show. It was great to get the complimentary perspective of husband and wife. Um, they've gone through a lot in their 11-year marriage, and they're not just keeping the wisdom they've learned to themselves. They have a whole apostolate dedicated to helping couples, whether dating, engaged, or married, to build flourishing relationships. And what I like is that they have a lot of really, really practical advice, um, a lot of very actionable things that you can do to improve your marriage or to just strengthen your marriage. And I think that's a lot of what people are looking for. Like we love to hear inspirational stories and we love to hear about the miracles that God has has brought about in people's lives. But like also we, we want something that we can put into practice. Um, and so they have really great advice for that. And also for, you know, if you're not married, they talk a lot about what to look for in a future spouse and, and how to discern if someone would be a good fit for you. Um, and again, in, in ways that are not just sort of like esoteric and spiritual, but things that are really concrete. So I think you'll really enjoy this, this episode. It's a really great compliment to the first two interviews that I've had so far. And they are the first, but they're not the last married couple that will be appearing on this season. So stay tuned. Reminder to make sure you are following or subscribing to this podcast on Apple or Spotify. I'd love for you to leave. I'd love for you to leave me a five star review and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Please buy my merch. Um, please buy a magnet or a sticker for just five dollars. The Crab and the Cross merch.com. Click the link in the description. Um, and Follow me on Instagram at The Crab and the Cross or on Twitter at Mary Rose Depp. Thank you so much for listening. And now here's my conversation with Joseph and Crystal Gruber. Joseph and Crystal Gruber are the hosts of the Love Your Marriage podcast and run Our Outpost, a marriage mentorship apostolate. They've been married for 11 years and live in Southern Michigan with their six children. Joseph and Crystal, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And Th you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is exciting because this is the first time I've had a married couple on the show or a couple of any sort, I guess. Oh, fun. Yeah. We like doing things together. So we're excited to. <laughs> I'm glad because you have to keep doing it till one of you dies. So yeah. We remind each other of that sometimes. It's a marathon. <laughs> right, right, right. It's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully. God willing. It could um, be a sprint. <laughs> I just don't know. I just don't know. I know. I know. Sorry. I didn't mean to take this so morbid so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we're all human. We're all going to die. That's right. That's right. Well, we, you know, we, we start at the end, but let's, let's go to the beginning first. Cause that's, that's always a fun place to start. Um, can you share a little bit about how you all met? Yes, we can. Yeah. So, um, we were both missionaries with focus fellowship of Catholic university students. Okay. And my first year as a missionary, my, the person who, one of the women I was living with was going to be my team director, but I didn't know that yet. And she had been teammates with Joseph the year before. Oh, you're giving like the very detailed, very first moment we met story. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. That, I mean, it's a good story too. Okay. It, it'll be quick. Okay. And so then, uh, I got off the elevator and she said, oh, you should meet this person. That it was, was me. Joseph. Mm-hmm. And she introduced us. So that's the very first time we met. I didn't know then that we were going to be teammates, but we were teammates for the next year on staff as focus missionaries. Oh, okay. In Boston. Okay. Um, so that's where we got to know each other. I was on uh, dating fast. So there was nothing romantic going on between the two of us during that year. It was my second year on staff with focus. Uh, so my first few years on staff, we were at MIT. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So um, I developed a crush for Joseph. He was totally clueless. Very oblivious. Two priests tell me I was going to have to tell him. I thought that was dumb. <laughs> He told me that we were just friends and that he wanted to continue to treat me as a sister. And I told him that I had feelings for him. And I said, oh. <laughs> and then. And that was the end of that particular conversation. Two weeks that later, was, he asked me the, out on a date. Took me two weeks. And the rest is history after that. <laughs> after that, things went like pretty normal. Okay, that's very funny. Okay, so this, so this is interesting because... Um, there's like controversy, I think it's dumb controversy, but there is controversy in sort of the Christian Catholic dating world about like how forward a woman is supposed to be when she has feelings for a guy. But I think it sometimes is true that that guys are just sort of, and like unless they are already locked in on you, they kind of need like to have their head tilted and then they might be like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I tell women express interest. Like you don't you don't have to be direct, but but express interest. If he has feelings for you, he will notice. In fact, he will think he notices you expressing interest if he has feelings for you, even if you don't express interest. That is factually, yes. <laughs> but if he doesn't have feelings for you, he won't notice. So you've got nothing to lose. And that was where it was. The the two priests that told me I was going to have to tell him knew him okay. well enough to know that he was clueless to the fact that I had feelings for him. And I, I told him when he presented the opportunity. So like I... I wouldn't have been like forward on my own accord, but he was like, oh, hey, I just want to like reestablish a relationship now that you're not on the dating fast anymore. And I was like, uh, actually, oh. I have some things to say about that. Oh. A student had said something to me that led me to believe that maybe I had seemed to express interest in her. Uh, this is a confusing way to put it. It was a confusing time in my life too, <laughs> to just be very clear. Anyways, that's how we met. I like to be clear. I like to to just say, this is what is going on. This is my stance. And to allow the other to respond. And so I did that. Yeah, mm. A lot of clarity. Yeah. Mm. Some awkwardness, but clarity. I like that. I like that. And so you guys at this time were actually serving on the same like core focus team for the same university? We had just finished serving on the same team okay. and we were he joseph was going to be staying there and i was leaving to go to another campus um, oh okay so we had a long distance relationship for that year but we got engaged partway through it and got married at the end of it in that in that one singular year you got engaged and married yeah i mean 
13, 14 months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. So, well, that's kind of nice. Cause you had, I guess that year long basis of friendship of being in the same place and, you know, and, and being teammates. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's really important to us that we talk a lot about in our marriage ministry is your spouse is, is your teammate for life. Mm. And so the fact that that year that we had as teammates, that it, it just it gave us a lot of a of a foundation that w- has been um, just uh, frankly useful <laughs> in the context mm. of marriage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know absolutely. And we and we were given an opportunity to work more closely on a project. So MIT is a relatively unusual institution in that there well many reasons. Mm-hmm. Lovely reasons. Mm-hmm. One of the reasons it's unusual is that it's four thousand undergrad and six thousand grad student. Oh wow! Like it's like disproportionately weighted toward graduate studies, uh, which makes sense. Like they produce people with master's degrees and doctorates and and all of that with uh, like that. They're very good at that. That's the mm-hmm. jam. They're they're a research institution. It's where you go for research. Uh, but most of the Catholic ministry at the time and most of what focus is oriented toward at the time was toward undergraduates. So we were at this new institution. We said, here, here are 6,000 souls that we could try to reach. And it seems like we're being sent to reach. So the project that we had was like, how do we help MIT graduate students live a more Catholic life Hmm. while there? And so we were doing that and helping them to be, both living out the faith and sharing the faith yeah, together. So, so in addition to the shared team life, Joseph and I had this project together that we had to hash out. What are we aiming for? What, you know, and have an amount of unity in how we were presenting it to the students and mm-hmm. things. So um, that gave us practice and skills to know that we worked well together and gave me the opportunity to develop a crush on him. <laughs> <laughs> Which is always fun. It's fun to have a crush. (laughs) Um, Okay, so how did each of you kind of know, discern, decide that the other one was the person that you wanted to marry? So I always tell when people are like, when did you know he was the one? I say, well, I was wearing a white dress. I was in a church mm-hmm. and I said, I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a certain sense, I think there is the, this like each, you know, early on it was like, oh, I liked this date. Let's go on another one. Like, oh, like we, we want to keep going on dates with each other and not with other people. Let's do that. Oh, like we've met each other's families. That's really like, it just, it was like, there was never a time we, we often would stop and say like, do we keep going this way or mm-hmm. is it time for to take an off ramp? Mm-hmm. And every time we had those conversations, I was like, I, it, so it was, it was less of like, oh, here's this moment where mm. I know he's the one and more of, I, I like, I like this road we're on together. I like traveling with you. I don't see any reason to not. Yeah. Which, and then we made a commitment and I promise. So we tell each now other. We're stuck with each other. We're stuck with, I'm right. stuck with you. Right. <laughs> and we're glad to be stuck together. Yeah. What about from your perspective, Joseph? Yeah, very similar. Really? So yeah. when when I asked her out, so this this is where Joseph scandalizes people. People are like, "When did you start first having a crush on Crystal?" It's like maybe like the second date. <laughs> <laughs> like I I had spent a year 
very conscientiously saying, this is my sister. This mm. is someone that I've been given to love as a sister. Mm-hmm. I have several sisters. And so I have some exercise, some awareness that of that. Yeah. And, uh, several people pointed out that we worked well together and maybe I should ask her out. I was like, well, sure. I, I could give that a shot. And we went out on a date and it was a very enjoyable date. And I told her at the end, this was a really enjoyable date. Uh, I think I'd like to take you out on another one. And then like the second date, I was like, oh, wow, I, I think you're beautiful. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, I like the very natural way that your feelings and your love developed, because I think sometimes, especially Catholics can get this um, mindset where it's like, like from date one, we're like, is this my future spouse? Uh, and then we start looking, instead of like looking at the person and like focusing on the relationship, we start looking for like signs from God, <laughs> like supernatural signs. And it's like this weird, like Catholic sort of woo woo thing that I don't know. I don't know why it's, it's so um, ubiquitous, but like, it's a very limiting and challenging mindset to like actually be in a relationship with. We get this question a lot about how do you know if they're the one. So um, the past couple of days on Tuesday, we drove from Michigan to St. Louis for the SEEK conference. Mm, Yeah. And then last night we drove back. So it was 14 hours in the car in the past few days. Um, But over lunch on Wednesday, uh, a few, a few women sat across from me and they recognized me because we have a podcast and, um, they asked the question, how do you know if the person you're dating is the one? Mm-hmm. And I gave a very similar answer to Crystal. It was like, this is, it's a, it's a little bit nonsensical in the sense that like the one who will be with you, who completes you, who you desire and who desires you. In His a, name is Jesus. Right. Like, and if, <laughs> if you don't have him yeah, and you're trying to discern the sacrament of matrimony, which is an icon of the love of Christ, it points to, it reveals then mm-hmm. like it's like like natural marriage you, you don't assume that people have a relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. and and you would say oh yeah marriage is like one of the highest natural goods you can possibly have it is a great thing it is the fount from which all other human life will spring it is a foundation of civilization it's a wonderful thing yeah it's in the light of christian revelation that you realize that uh it is no less great, but it reveals something still greater. And we're given that greater thing first. Mm. Like we're given a relationship with God first. And then Christian marriage flows from that. Like this is this is a sacrament for those who have been initiated in the faith, those who are living out the Christian life. Uh, like that, and people seem to have it a little bit backwards still. Yeah. Well, and I also think there's this, there's fear of making the wrong choice. Yes. yes. And, and, and how do we qualify that it's the right choice and how do we know? And if God would just give me a sign, that would make mm-hmm. everything easier. And and I think one of the things that I've realized, especially as we've gotten further along in marriage and we've got little kids and like things are challenging and it would be really easy to be like, this isn't fun and I don't like anybody and blah. Right. Or I could say, 
well, marriage is a sacrament and there's grace to be had and a cross to be carried. And I can do that joyfully and I can choose my spouse every day and I can choose to see what is wonderful about him or I can choose to see what is annoying. But the fact (laughs) of the matter is, if you get married, you're going to marry somebody who has wonderful things and annoying things. Yeah. Yeah. Period. (laughs) Right. Because you're going to marry a human being. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And so being able to see in dating, like, do I enjoy being with you? Do I, do I work well alongside you? Do, can we be teammates Mm -hmm. for life? Because Mm -hmm. raising children is a big project. (laughs) Yeah. No kidding. (laughs) Um, Well, I I, think too, like, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, I think, um, Sometimes when we, if, if we have this idea that like, oh, like God sent me this spouse and now they're mine, it can almost make us um, not take as much ownership in the relationship and just assume that, oh, since God chose this person for me, everything's always going to be smooth and I don't really have to do anything. I don't really have to steward this gift. I just have and it. I yeah. talked to a woman recently who had been married for 17 years, five children, daily communicant, mm-hmm. family rosaries who got an annulment because they didn't do any work on their marriage ever Wow, on their relationship. And it fell to pieces and, and it was, and, and she, that, that is what she, she was like, well, we just thought we had a sacrament and grace was going to fix all of our problems. And there were problems from the beginning and they never, ever, ever Mm. tried to do, to like get, you know, like, yeah. Do the work. So right. part of this question about like, who is the one, how do I know if who is the one is saying, how do I know if this person will never cause me any suffering? <laughs> yes. <laughs> like this is, it's literally in the vows that there will be suffering. Right. Right. It's right. not like it's optional. There will be sickness and health. There will be poverty and riches yeah. in various proportions. I think for me, the, the, a more helpful question is like, can I bear to be with you when we're poor and sick? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and, and yeah. Who do I want to suffer with? Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, um, one of the interviews I did last season that was so good was this psychologist, Dr. Peter Malinowski. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he talks about this thing called spiritual bypassing, which is a lot like what you were describing with this woman in her marriage where it's like, yeah, we have a very natural, like a problem in the natural sphere. Um, but the grace is just gonna, we can just bypass that natural work and like the grace just gonna come and like cover it and, uh, fix everything. <laughs> grace builds on nature. Yeah. yeah. Some nature. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And that's a very, like, I, it's interesting how like, like that feels like a very sort of Protestant, like, oh, mm-hmm. grace just covers. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, that's not what we believe as Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. Grace is helpful. We need it. Like it, it. Oh, for sure. There's so much beautifulness, but it builds on nature. And the more that we engage our nature and our will in participating in our own sanctification and the sanctification of the people we spend the most time with in, in, in a way that's full of charity, then there is even more grace to be had. And there's grace for that. And and the grace is not, it is ordered to changing us, Mm -hmm. to perfecting us. And, and that means we actually have to be willing and ready to change mm-hmm. yeah. and willing to enter into the situations that will shape us. Right. Like, yeah, well, and that's, I don't, I'm feeling really acutely aware of this. We had this long drive and 
so we we had some challenging conversations last night and I, I there have been very gratefully times. because it was late and uh it helped us stay awake it is. yeah <laughs> but and this and this isn't the first time this is just a fresh memory of where where there's something where I'm like man I don't want to talk about this mm. because it's going to bring stuff up it's going to be an emotional conversation it's going to be hard we're going to disagree and misunderstand each other and hurt each other in the process but the the fact of the matter is is Every single time, if we push through all of that and trust that, okay, if you said something hurtful, it's not because you want to hurt me. Or if I said something hurtful, it's not because I want to hurt you. It's because I love you and I'm imperfect and we're trying to figure this out. And at the end of the conversation, we realized a lot of things that will be helpful. And it was really healing for me, even Mm. though it was hard. And even though there were spots where I was like, I want out of this car now. Yeah. (laughs) Not safe at 70 plus miles per hour. (laughs) It's still an option. (laughs) Still an option. She was the one driving. Not helpful. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. No, but I think, I think you're right. And I think, um, that's why I really like a lot of the images we get in the gospel that involve, um, like farming and agriculture because, like we can kind of say like, okay, God is like the giver of life, but you know, like, you know, everything on this earth is what we need for crops to survive. We have the sun, we have the water, we have the soil, but like we still have to do the planting and the weeding and the cultivating and all that. Right. There are such things as weeds and diseases and, and other things to be mindful of pests. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, it's not, so yeah, like the, this language of how do I know if they're the one, there's this fear of failure, there's mm-hmm. this fear of conflict, there's this, um, yeah, you, you, you said, what was it like spiritual woo-woo? Yeah, that- yeah. Well, spiritual bypassing is like where you're kind of trying to- Oh, earlier you Oh yeah, the, the woo, yeah, this like, Catholic woo-woo yeah. where you're just like, let me just get a sign and then that tells me it's the right decision and then I just go from there. It's sort of like right. a horoscope almost. <laughs> yeah, like if I if I do this novena to St. Yes. Therese- Yes. And I get this bouquet yes. then, which is funny because uh, we were long distance dating and she, uh, Crystal ended up visiting on October 1st on the feast of mm-hmm. St. Therese. And so I bought her a dozen red roses just in case. She was she bringing a novena? No, she didn't. She didn't actually pray a novena. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, just in case, here's a sign. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but uh, it was to no avail. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so on your website, though, this is kind of relevant. You have this this line about like Satan hates your marriage. And I oh, yeah, I, he really does. No, I believe you. But I also think that I wonder if sometimes people will blame Satan for their own um, poor relationship skills. And they're like, Satan's attacking us. And it's like, well, maybe one of you is stonewalling and the other person is just like, constantly nagging and it's like maybe it's a little bit more you and not just like oh let's you know go get like a deliverance prayer and it'll be over yeah that's a really interesting point because i i when we we'll often say to each other like oh satan doesn't like us and like we can and and i think where we see that and maybe i I don't know if this would be helpful with a distinction or not is we we know we know we can communicate well mm-hmm. and we know, and we know what our shortcomings are, right? Like I can stonewall with the best of them and we know that. And, and he can call me out when that's happening. 
Um, can I? Well, no, not when I'm actually stoned. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, that's, a, that's like one of the, the toughest ones. Well, some more. <laughs> but like, like we, we, we know what our natural shortcomings are mm-hmm. and we know that we want to be on the same team. And so when we are having conflict or when we're having a disagreement, we'll say like, okay, what we'll be able saying to each other, Satan hates our marriage will kind of give us, get us both to take a step back and say, okay, I want to be on the same team with you. So if, and, and then that kind of puts things into perspective of me of like, okay, if I'm actually stonewalling right now, maybe what I need is to go on a 10 minute walk and then come back to this conversation. Cause I just, I just need a minute. Right. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think that you bring up a good point that we don't want to like just blame Satan for our problems in the same way that we don't want to think that God's grace is somehow magical and is going to fix mm. all of our problems. Um, but I think whenever there's a discord or a disunity where it's like, I, my spouse is never my enemy. Mm-hmm. And if I think that my spouse is my enemy, then Satan's winning that battle. And I need to be reminded that Satan is who I'm fighting against, not Joseph. Yes. yes. And so that's where that like is really been helpful for yeah. us in the terms of like Satan hates our marriage. He does not want us to have unity. And so if we're not having unity right now, why is that and what's going on and what are our next steps? There's also like the more meta commentary on the fact that like the systems of the world are not ordered toward the flourishing of the Christian life nor the flourishing of Christian marriage. And to be aware of that, like we were not set up for success Mm -hmm. uh, on a lot of different levels to have a good and holy marriage. And most of us are not set up for success and to say, like that whole system of arrangements, you know, the, the world, the flesh, the devil is working against us yeah. and we should be aware of this. But yeah, my wife is never my problem. We may have problems, but my wife is not my problem. She, she's my wife. She's a human being. She's lovely. She's beautiful and worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And sometimes a brat. <laughs> but then I'm not your problem. Like, right. No, but that's, that's, yeah. a, that is a helpful distinction because you're, you're not trying to like shirk ownership of your relationship or of your own personal things that you need to work on and saying like, Oh, it's just the devil's fault. But like you are realizing that there are forces at work, so to speak, that want to capitalize on every little conflict or disagreement that you have. Yeah. And, and like, it's really easy for me when I'm stonewalling to start to blame Joseph for whatever, you know, I don't, I can't even think of an example right now, but to start to like think, oh, it's his fault. Right. And then it's like, no, actually I have unhealed stuff. Mm -hmm. And right now me treating him like crap isn't the answer, you know? And so how do we, it, it, it reminds me to address what's really going on. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your apostle. Like what was the inspiration for starting? Did you, did you start the podcast first or the outpost thing first? So we, we actually have two podcasts. Oh, okay. One that we've been doing for roughly five years mm-hmm. and the other one we've only started this past year. So the, the longer running one is called a word from our outpost. 
so what was the inspiration behind starting the Our Outpost Apostolate? So uh, there's a couple pieces and parts. One is, so we were parish missionaries and didn't have a teammate. And so that was an interesting piece of the puzzle. Something that had happened for me is I had been teaching Creighton Model System, teaching women natural family planning. And I had somebody who asked if I could do an intro session for her. And I started doing the intro session. And this was not the first time that this had happened to me where I'm doing an intro session for a woman because she wants to learn how to chart for some reason. She's a married woman. And it becomes very clear to me that there's like something going on in the marriage mm. and that charting her cycle is not going to fix anything and might make things worse um, if it's used in the wrong way. Right. So I have this instinct, but I don't know what to do about it. And so I just finished the intro session the next week, she says she's not interested in learning more. I'm not surprised. She dies a week later. Oh, my. 39 years old, three young children. Like, she had a rare heart condition. Maybe that's what happened. Anyways, but it yeah. shook me to the core. Where I was like, I I think I could. I, there are things that we do in our marriage that are just, like, super practical, teachable things. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was what I like should have given her. Mm. And I had this sense of like, I don't want to teach women how to chart when that's not what's going on. You know, it's, there's great reasons for learning how to chart. There's awesome things about Creighton. Yeah. But like that, it would just, it like cut me really deeply of like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. And, and that's not the, the women that are coming to me, their issue isn't with charting their cycle and figuring out what is going like that's right, not right. those are not the people that are coming to me and that's not the issue that they have and so um yeah so that just I was like man I really want to teach these things that Joseph and I have learned that have been so valuable to our marriage mm-hmm. to couples mm. I don't want to teach women something that I don't think is going to help them in their particular circumstances I want us to teach together men and women things. So it was shortly after that, that we bought the, the domain. domain. Hmm. Yeah. Website. Other things. Um, I, I was a focused missionary for a number of years. My first year as a, a leader of a team, a team director, I didn't do a great job. And I realized that I wanted to become better at leading people. And so I devoured a whole lot of different leadership books and organizational health books and became better at being a team director. I think most of my teammates from that point onward would say that I did a better job. Mm -hmm. And one day I came home having read uh, a book about applying these kinds of principles to the family life. I said, Crystal, would you like it if we did these kinds of things like meeting regularly to talk about important things mm-hmm. and make decisions. And where I talked about, or I, I sat and listened to you about your goals and the obstacles that you're facing and helped you talk through your next steps. And if we did more strategic planning and if we had goals as a couple. And she looked at me as if uh, I was offering her water in the middle of a desert. <laughs> and, and she said, yes, I would like that. Yeah. So it, and those are the, the, a lot of the, that has a lot to do with a lot of the practical things that I mentioned that we mm-hmm. did in our marriage that had, that just 
are helpful and bring a richness to our lives um, and, and help us be teammates and be on the same page and have unity in decision-making. And so we, we realized that we wanted to teach those things. We also really like digging deeper into what the church teaches, particularly about marriage, like for funsies, mm-hmm. these are like mm-hmm. fun conversations. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have felt that there's so much in the church right now. Um, if you're coming back to the faith or starting to explore things or want to learn a bit more about one of the church's teachings that like can really give you something solid to, yeah. to understand what things are on a surface level. We've had trouble finding content that really explores the depths of the faith mm. as opposed to the breadth of the faith, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. And so, um, and we, we like exploring some of the depths more and sharing that with people. And so that was another piece of the pu- puzzle in starting our own ministry is our marriage preparation was deficient. And yeah. we have a lot of friends who are faithful who had really deficient marriage prep. And John Paul II talks about how we should continue to invest in couples in at least the first five years of marriage for yeah. their continued formation. And we have it just a lot, a lot of reasons where we're like, man, it would be really neat to unpack the depths of this more and to be able to share that with people. So doing that in concert with these like organizational health, how do we run our family, the, the natural stuff of mm-hmm. married life and putting those two things together yeah. sounded like fun. I think yeah. there's also this piece of it can happen in ministry where people devote a lot of time and energy into their faith and their spiritual life and into volunteering. And and sometimes that comes about because what they're doing is the kind of spiritual equivalent of the, the man who works like 90 hours a week. Mm-hmm. They're, they're avoiding the home yeah, <laughs> because the home is a place of conflict, yeah. of unrest, and they don't know what to do. I'm like, this is, this is not actually an integrated life. And I've, I've seen people living that out. I want to help them. I want to say like the the teachings of the church are not abstract, ethereal. They're, they're very grounded. They're, they're, they should shape how we treat one another. And like, if the most basic commandments are to love God and love your neighbor, guess what? If you're married, your neighbor is your wife, is your husband. <laughs> right. Like they, they spend probably eight-ish hours a day literally next to you. Mm-hmm. I mean, sleeping, sure, but <laughs> uh, definitely neighbor. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think uh, it might have been Chester who said, like, you know, God says love your neighbor and love your enemy because often those two people are the same thing. <laughs> yes, he does say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, no, I think... Um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because it's like the church has been around for so long and marriage has been around even longer. And yet some of these things we're only just starting to unpack. Like I remember I would, I spent some time discerning religious life and I went to visit, um, a Dominican community and they were talking about how they as a community do yearly formation together, where they might have a text that they're reading together and unpacking together. And I, I remember thinking like, wouldn't it be so cool if married couples also did ongoing formation where they're like, we're going to read a book together and we're going to unpack it together and we're going to apply it to our marriage. Like, and you know, think about priests are required, I think canonically to go on a, a retreat every so often, maybe it's an annual retreat. And it's like, 
we like literally just couples walked down the aisle. They get married and we're like, we'll see you at the baptism. And like, that's it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe we right? will. People aren't. Yeah. I mean, people just aren't even bothering to walk down the aisle anymore. either. Right. Just, right. But even just, I mean, even the, the people who, who want to have like a Catholic marriage, there's, yeah, there's not even really things offered, you know, beyond like you were saying, these NFP classes. Yeah. And I think the church is trying to like sneak some of these things in. They'll mm -hmm. say, well, if you're going to get your baby baptized, you need to go to baptism prep. Yes. And there we're going to try to make up for all of the things we haven't done. Yes. But not really, because it's not really going to shape how you're going to be living your lives. Exactly. So, yeah, there, there's there's a lot of work to be done in this area. There's a lot of need. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Part of it is we felt like we had something to offer, and then we also felt like we had uh, uh, a fair number of people to offer it to. Right. So. Right. And so is it, um, do you also work with like engaged couples or do you focus only on those who are already married? Yeah, the hope is to eventually have more marriage prep materials mm -hmm. to help people set up yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, we do have materials for Catholic singles to how to date mm -hmm. well. Yeah. I so we have that, like yeah. a six month online course on how to date like a Catholic. Uh, we've done retreats on dating like a Catholic. Um, we have a number of talks scheduled uh, for 2024 on different college campuses mm -hmm. for dating. Right. Um, yeah. It, it, ideally we would have for all three stages. So the, the kind of, uh, proximate prep that comes from just being a young adult human to mm -hmm. prepare oneself for spousal love, the immediate prep for marriage, which is when you're engaged, and then uh, the kind of marriage enrichment material that, yeah, yeah, uh, anytime post marriage would be helpful. The sooner the better. Right now, do you and and Crystal like? Do you have certain? models that you've really looked to for your marriage like or or has it a lot of it just been kind of in-house like you really learned these things together so do we have models crystal i think there are pieces and parts that we've taken from models in our life mm -hmm. um yeah i mean even before we got married we would have conversations about you know things that we admired and wanted to emulate in our respective parents' mm -hmm. relationships and then also things that we would do differently. Um, and I think along the way, we, you know, again, we found like a couple of people were like, ooh, let's take note of that. But mm -hmm. I, I do think we've had a kind of a lack yeah. <laughs> of, of good example in our day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I, and part of that is like we were sent all around the country. Right. Yeah. So we weren't setting down roots most places until we came to, to Michigan where we've been setting down more roots than before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So that was definitely one of the odd things about being married as focus missionaries is that we were willing to be sent anywhere, which yeah. also meant that we were willing to uh, start from scratch in terms of relationships. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So how long have you been doing the the outpost? About a year now. Yeah, full time, about just shy of a year. Okay, okay. So, what are some of the most, I guess, common issues that you see in 
the marriages that you're kind of delving into, or maybe even just marriages of like people that you've, you've gotten to know over the years? One of the, so the thing that we like to teach the most is for how people can have a weekly time to talk about important things and make decisions. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the thing that, so lots of people have different things that, you know, I was, so like, I can't think of like one thing that is the most common, but I think a lot of the things come down to, we're trying to talk about big things Mm -hmm. like in weird spots, like when we're brushing our teeth or when somebody's trying to get out the door (laughs) or when somebody's coming home or these other times where it's like these transition points or these other points that are meant for not heavy conversation Mm. and not decision making. Mm -hmm. And then there becomes this bitterness or uh, you know, like negative feelings of some sort or another, because it's like, well, I told you that we haven't figured out how to pay the mortgage from the rental company <laughs> from our house that we moved away from or what like, and it's the like other family's situation. Yeah. And that was an example. Some friends of ours were, that was like this thing that kept coming up and it was like coming up when they were brushing their teeth mm-hmm. or these other weird times. And then we we're like, maybe if you sat down. And so she was able to keep it to herself until their meeting on Friday afternoon. Mm. He came home early from work. They made some tea they sat down. She was like, okay, now. And he, and then he was ready to have that conversation and they were able to do something about it. And so whatever the thing is, I think that the commonality is the bringing it up at an inopportune time when you can't do anything about it, but then feeling like, oh, I've addressed this with my spouse. Mm. Why aren't they fixing it? Or why isn't it better? Like, well, you didn't set yourself up for success to actually have it be better or actually have it be fixed. I think I, I thought of another thing. Yeah. That seems to be across the board for most couples is a, a reluctance to ask for help mm. or to seek help until things get dire. Hmm. So if some couples, if they had babysitting every week or every other week and could go out. Yeah that would stave off a lot of their problems. But instead of asking for that relatively minor thing, Mm. they go years and years without it. And then they, they wake up one day realizing that they're strangers to each other and that they have a host of problems and issues that they've just swept under the rug. And that now the rug is like 10 feet high with problems underneath of it. Um, So asking for help, looking for help. uh, And asking for help from each other too, Mm. you know, I'm guilty of being like, I want help in some situation. I'm like, no, I'm just going to try to do it myself. And then I like start to get frustrated with Joseph that he doesn't just magically know that I need help. <laughs> right. It's like, okay. Or I could be like, Hey, Hey love, do you, do you have a minute? I need, mm-hmm. I need an extra pair of hands here. And I'm not going to grow up not gonna grow them up my side. <laughs> Such a weird saying. She asked me the other week if I, if I wanted an extra pair of hands, I'm like, where would they come out of? <laughs> Like, what is that? Even, even, right. Even in my, like thinking about asking for help or offering help, I can't, I can't even say the word help because I have such a hard time with it. And yet it's this, yeah, that often we, we need help from each other and we need help from the outside and it's hard. And it's often just very simple stuff. Mm -hmm. And so we feel more embarrassed for some reason. Like it's less embarrassing if I need help with something 
really extreme. Exactly. Yeah. If I wait for it to get really bad, then yeah, of course we'll go for help. Right. But up to that point, why would I do it? And it's just, you you need to do it so that you don't get to that point. <laughs> right. No, for sure. Yeah. I had a um, an episode towards the end of last season. I talked to Leah Labresco Sargent and she talked about this whole challenge of like, we have tried to like deny our fundamental neediness. Um, we don't like to, we're like, because as human beings, we, we just have needs. Like we're very needy creatures, you know, a lot more so than any other species. Um, but somehow like we are trying to form this like hyper independence, you know, first we have it as like an individual where it's like, I need to like, just only take care of myself. And then maybe if you're married, like there's this kind of concept of the nuclear family as though you're not also meant to be connected with whether it's in-laws or neighbors or, you know, community members at church. Like we're just supposed to isolate as these little pods. Right. Like the idea that the family is like the original society or the, the, the first society is true, mm -hmm. but it's no less true that it's an imperfect society, imperfect in the sense of not complete unto itself. Like no family is able to supply all of its needs. Mm. That's why we actually need a community. Yeah. And so when we say, I don't want to ask for help, we're saying, I want to live this lie of being an independent family. Self-sufficiency. Right? Self-sufficiency. Uh, she bought a book, what was it, a year or two ago called The Self-Sufficient Backyard or something. <laughs> and in the introduction, they say, well, of course, true self-sufficiency is an impossible goal. Hmm. I'm like, you put it on the title, though. That was the title of the book. <laughs> you, you, you wanted to fall advertise more vegetables. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> but, but even the people who, who say, you know, I, I just want to grow all of our own food and have all of our needs met mm -hmm. by just the family. Like, they still go to the store to buy toilet paper. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and so just admit that's not realistic. You can grow your own food. I think that's a good and healthy thing to do. I, I that we probably should be doing more of it. We had a very small garden mm -hmm. and we grew a lot of vegetables that we don't like to eat. Uh, we, we could do a better job, right? Uh, but uh, the goal is not self-sufficiency. The, the goal is to work toward the common good, mm. which means sometimes we need help and, and sometimes we can be agents of help ourselves. And most of the time when we are, are the ones helping, we really appreciate the opportunity to help. Yeah, I really think we feel so. very gratified by it yeah and especially like why wouldn't i i want to help my spouse of all people <laughs> and so i think that that assuming that that's not what our spouse wants is a and is, not what our neighbors want mm -hmm. like the times that i've asked for help from neighbors they are so willing to help mm -hmm. they're still basically strangers to me right but they love the idea of helping because it's just baked into us like oh yeah i want to be a good neighbor yeah yeah absolutely so you guys have been married for 11 years. You have been missionaries. You've moved around a lot. You have six children, which you you were saying, uh, I think, Crystal, you were saying that your husband thinks you guys are a little bit behind in, in, in that. But I'm like, my gosh, that's that's a lot. Um, you know, and you also mentioned before we started that you have you know, three in heaven, which I assume are probably miscarriages. And so yeah. Those are those are a number of challenging things to encounter in in really just a decade or so of marriage. Um, what would you say has been some of the like hardest aspects of your marriage, or maybe some of the low points that you've um, kind of grown from or experienced? 
Man, I think. I mean, and a special challenge, maybe. Would, uh, so our second born has a number of special needs. Mm, okay. She has a partial tri- trisomy of the seventh chromosome. So she's got delayed development, um, mostly deaf, oh, um, wow. wheelchair bound, things like oh that. Oh, my gosh. Nonverbal. Um, so sort of like having a 50 pound one year old mm. in a wheelchair. Um, so there have been like ups and downs, like the probably the month or so after she was born. Yeah. Uh, was extraordinarily rough, like for different reasons. Um, but like she was a very clear indicator that we are massively in need of help. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we are very dependent on a host of different specialists over the years who have been able to, to be of extraordinary help. I mean, frankly, keep her alive. Right. Um, like she was not able to eat sufficiently on her own and like, Oh, we actually need somebody to cut a hole into her stomach so that we can pump food into her. Wow. Like I was not able to do that myself. Right. Like (laughs) that was not, that was beyond me. Um, yeah. So, so that was a, a pretty clear wake up call that we are dependent upon other people. Mm-hmm. And uh, fortunately, like there are resources for kids with special needs that are very, very helpful. She goes to a wonderful five day a week school where they love her. And she is, I mean, she's one of the most popular kids in the school, Aww. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They love her there. Yeah. I definitely think that that is, has been the other thing that's been, I think, challenging with that is um, it has transformed how we make decisions and what mm. our hopes and dreams are for our life together. Um, and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's not what we like wrote in our dream book on our honeymoon. Mm. <laughs> you know, you're not oh. like, oh, I really hope the Lord sends me a child with special needs like that. You know, right. I, a dear friend of mine has said, you know, I wouldn't who also has a kid with special needs said, I wouldn't trade it for anything, but I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Wow. Yeah. And and I think it's, you know, entering into that and, and there's, there's so much grace in, in her life. And even actually when we were talking about like the help, like her, she comes to mind when I think about asking for help because she can't do anything for herself mm. really. Yeah. You know, and she's great in her wheelchair. She's very proficient. She can get around really well, but she can't get into her wheelchair without somebody her putting her in it, you know? So there are all these things where she's, she's just so needy and she's so unabashed about it. Yeah. Um, And, and so, yeah, but, but it, that is also challenging where it's like, we got to get her out of bed. We got to get her, you know, it's like she's eight and she can't get herself out of bed and she can't get herself on the body and she can't, mm-hmm. you know, like all mm-hmm. these things. So, um, to figuring out how to navigate all of that and still having a desire to continue to be open to life and have, you yeah. know, she's our second born of six. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's been a difficult thing. I think miscarriages have also been really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we like babies right? <laughs> to have more of them. And so when we have this hope planted within us, um, and then that, yeah, is like, okay, we don't get to meet this person mm-hmm. in this life. And that's just a hard, mm-hmm. that's been hard. Yeah. I think it's been something cause it's not it, generationally, it was not something talked about very often. No, yeah. Like if a, if a woman had a miscarriage, that was her own private grief. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, 
and probably also the husband's grief too, right? This is a thing. uh, I grieved tremendously with the loss of each one of those children. Yeah. And, and we, people came out of the woodworks when we had our first miscarriage telling us that they had had a miscarriage and offering their condolences and things. And so we've kind of made it a point to say that we've been through that Mm -hmm. when we like, yeah, introduce ourselves to people, when people ask how many kids we have, because Mm -hmm. because of that, we've been able to have people come to us when they're having a miscarriage and say, I know you've been through this, you know, can pray for me or walk with me or whatever. And so, because we didn't, otherwise people just don't share and don't know and don't know who to talk to. So, um, and, and I think that's part of like the, I think you asked, you know, what's something that's hard that we've been to, through that we've come through the other side. And I think that's a way that that has been helpful for us to journey through that grief is mm-hmm. to be willing to share it with other people. I think too, it helps us to remember like there are these like other little people that we're going to God willing meet someday in heaven that right. are also similar to right, right. that we have who are really lovely. Yeah. And, that like adds a a very beautiful um aspect to like the hope of heaven yeah yeah wow other other difficulties like we come from slightly different backgrounds i'm a cradle catholic from a relatively large family Mm -hmm. and she's a convert with one sibling Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that's you know there'll be things where um just you know how we were brought up or the environment that we were brought up in where the way we interact with each other becomes challenging. And and I think there've been several things where we just find it challenging. And then eventually we'll get to this point where I'm like, "Ah, this, why, why, why is this so hard? This doesn't, Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be this hard. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to unpack. Well, when I was growing up, this is how my family handled this kind of situation. And, you know, and it could be something as simple as cleaning the bathroom where it's like, Oh, how this was handled when we were growing up is really, really, really different. And so there's, there's this tension that is like building in what is seemingly an overdramatic way, but really there's just something that we just need to discuss about where we're coming from. What has happened? Why do I feel this way? How does that impact our parenting? Do we want to make changes? Do we want to do things differently? Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, I think like for one of the things that can scare me the most about marriage or about finding a partner is all of those unexpected, like potential tragedies, you know, it's like, of course, when you envision marriage, you just kind of envision like the very smooth, you know, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes a baby and then the babies grow up and, you know, but like things like child loss or having a, a child with a disability, like I sometimes I doubt my own ability to handle that kind of thing. But then I wonder like, well, if I don't even know how I'll handle that, how can I possibly pick somebody who has the capacity to also handle that? So what would you say to, to those who are still looking, um, you know, kind of in the dating world and are trying to like assess for the, I don't even know that I guess the, the qualities or the capacity to handle future conflict in marriage, you know, not just looking for somebody who's able to be great, in the, um, you know, richer and better and all of that. I have a a couple of thoughts (laughs) of that. Do you want to go first? You can go first. Um, so, so a couple of things that are coming to mind. One is, um, being attentive to how someone 
Now this is going to be depending on the circumstances, mm-hmm. but being attentive to how somebody treats their parent of the opposite sex. Mm. So like for like, how does a man treat his mother? How does a woman treat her father? Mm-hmm. Um, because those are the patterns that we're going to fall into if we're not trying. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, oftentimes not. And again, there, there are circumstances where this maybe isn't true and, and there can be greater conversation around this, but that that's a thing to kind of look at. Um, another piece that's coming to mind is you don't know. Yeah. And, and I, we have a friend who, um, she had a daughter who had a lot of medical problems who ended up dying around the time that she was two, mm. the daughter did. And I, another friend of ours was bringing her a meal and she says, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't do this. And she was like, you don't have a child that's dying. You're right. You couldn't do this. But just, just this idea that like, we, we are given the grace that we need in the moment. So it's mm. like, you like my father passed away a year and a half ago. And if you would have asked me two years ago, like, could you handle losing your dad in six months? I would have been like, no, yeah. I absolutely can't handle that. But like, here I am, like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I couldn't have known when we got married that that was going to happen when we had five young children right. and that Joseph was going to be okay with single parenting for a week so that I could take mm. care of my dad in his last week of life. And, mm. you know, that we, we just couldn't, you, you can't know that and you can't know how somebody is going to respond. Um, I, I think though, what you can see is, um, are they growing in virtue? Mm. Right. Cause it's like, they're not going to be the person that you marry on your wedding day. They're going to be a different person. God willing, ten, <laughs> 10 years in, 20 years in, 30 years in. Right. And God willing, they're going to be a better person. And so I think it's less about, are they going to be able to handle whatever life throws with us, which, which I throws at us, which I couldn't imagine in a million years. Mm-hmm. And there's not really a good way to test if they could handle that, but rather are they willing to grow in virtue? Yeah. And do I see that? And, and can we have conversations about them? Can they handle correction? Mm. Well, how, mm-hmm. you know, and the, these are the sorts of things where it's like, those are the things that are going to get you through when the stuff hits the fan, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not because you don't know what's going to go wrong, right? right. But things are going to go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do they handle bad situations? Yeah. Anyways, that was a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there's, yeah, bad things will happen. We know that. Mm-hmm. How will we know? So sometimes you can check, does somebody have a track record of handling things well? Uh, that doesn't work out well if they've had a relatively charmed life. Right. So how, how do you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, with virtue, you, you want to see, are they, are they heading in the right direction? And are they trying to accelerate, mm. right? Because a lot of people have this notion, once I'm married, then I can stop trying. Mm. Yeah. And that's not, yeah. that's not a good thing. No. That's, that's a bad thing. <laughs> that's a very bad well, thing. <laughs> and it's interesting because, so I was engaged before I met Joseph. Oh, wow. And the guy that I was engaged to, like, he literally stopped trying when we got engaged. 
Ooh. And thanks be to God that he just stopped trying men. Right. <laughs> no, for sure. Married, but I was like, right. he was like, well, you promised. Like, it was wow. like, he thought, I, like, I don't have to work for this anymore. And, and I will say with that, I, like in hindsight, another piece is like, how, how does this person treat other people in stressful situations? So like mm. go out to a restaurant that, you know, has terrible service and see <laughs> how they treat the waitress. And if they treat the waitress like crap, like that's not a great sign, <laughs> right? Sure, like now sure. they could get better. Like, not that that's like needs to be the deal breaker, right, but, right. but this is a reason to be in the context of friends and family and in public places when you're dating is that you get to see how this person interacts mm -hmm. with people in different and uncomfortable situations. So like do things yeah. that are gonna encounter where you're gonna encounter different kinds of people um, and, and see how they treat them because that's gonna tell you a lot about how they're gonna treat your kids in a stressful situation or, you know, things like that. And get, and but there's also the growing in virtue piece. Mm -hmm. Maybe one more thing. I don't know how long we've been going, just FYI. Yeah, we've been but, going over a little over an hour. <laughs> oh, wow. Great. Uh, but something to be attentive to when I'm with this person, do I feel not only more myself, but like a better version of myself? Mm. Do they, mm -hmm. yeah. there's this this element, like the, uh, to, to be charming, one understanding of charming is that they, they actually help me to become more myself and a better version of myself. They draw out the best in me. And we want to find someone who uh, we can charm and who can charm us in, in the sense of they draw out our best and we draw out their best. So even if I'm in a stressful situation and my inclination is to not respond well, when I'm with Crystal, she actually helps me to be a better man. Mm. And that's something that I, I is sort of ideal for marriage to find someone who will help you be a better woman, a better man. Yeah. And some people that is not what we experience when we're in their presence yeah. and, uh, don't, don't marry that person. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> Easy. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, to kind of wrap this up, I want to, we'll, 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 I want to try to get some quick takes on like a few things that like a couple might be going through in their marriage. And maybe you can give like a very truncated piece of advice. And then hopefully, you know, if somebody is, is feeling inspired, they might reach out to you guys through your apostolate, uh, you know, if they need to learn more, um, or there's sort of like quick takes or like quick questions. Okay. Okay. All right. So, first, so you're really you, looking for a quick answer for brevity from us. Bre I'm <laughs> saying brevity. That's kind of like brevity. the hot take. Yeah. The quick take. Yep. That's what All I mean. Right. We'll try our best. <laughs> Not that I mean, like I could talk to you guys forever, but I think it's, it's, you know, to kind of tie up and then maybe, maybe we have a part two sometime. <laughs> I love it. All right. Should a married couple share all of their passwords with each other? <laughs> I never thought about it. Oh, I've really? I never thought about that either. I mean, I'm not going to say I use basically the same password for everything <laughs> because that would be not wise. To no say one would on do any that. Sort of, no one would do that or say that on any sort of online <laughs> medium. Uh, I mean, we have the same phone password very much on purpose. So like mm. I, I'm trying to, you know, passwords that I don't, but that's because you handle things that I access less. Yeah. And I've literally like, made a purchase so that I could write them down so that you would know where to find them. Yeah. Like, I just can't think of a good reason why I wouldn't 
share a particular password unless it was like I had a Christmas present that I had ordered that I didn't right. I mean there's like we're not the this, file cabinet where you kept records for the Creighton stuff that you did for a decade. Oh yeah, I wouldn't give you like, that password. You wouldn't I wouldn't have access to that, but that's like confidentiality oh, based right. on what Other you've people. been doing. Yeah. 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 Um, so this is our not short answer to basically right. say probably not question mark. Well, it's pro- it's probably more like, you know, it's you, you probably don't have a list somewhere in the house where it's everyone's password to everything. But I'm sure if there was a situation where it was like, hey, what's your password? Like, you're going to be like, I'm not telling you that's a secret. <laughs> All right, like we, we are logged into each other's emails on each other's phones. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, my mom. Yeah, I mean, my- <laughs> like text messages. If there's a reason for me to text like a single woman, usually I'll just loop Crystal in on that text mm, line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's a group text. Like I That's why don't have anything to hide with, with regard right. to that. Anyways, that was not a <laughs> short answer. <laughs> okay. Um, no. sh- should should all um, bank, about, bank accounts be joined? I think so. Yeah. Like I have a bank account that I used for my Creighton business. Mm-hmm. But again, it was like, I, I was, there was never like, I only used it for my business. Like I wasn't, you know, does that yeah, make sense? No, for sure. Yeah. Um, and if you I, also didn't pay yourself virtually ever. So oh, I didn't pay myself. <laughs> yeah. So there was, that was a problem. But yeah. But even that, it's like, I was willing for Joseph to be in on that. So I mean, there was like a legal need for there to be like yeah, an account, but. But yeah, I mean. Money is how we express value. You you want to be on the same page on how you express value mm-hmm. as a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. And, and as far as like secret purchases and the like, um, you, you've gotten me things off of Amazon before for my birthday and tried to, you, you told me explicitly, don't read any emails from Amazon <laughs> for the next week. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. like that was a, there was a clear reason for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I definitely think bank accounts monies ought to be shared. Um, Should your spouse be your best friend or should you have another best friend? Like, I mean, assuming a best friend of the same sex, but like. I think they can be. I don't know that they have to be. Should be your best friend. Like. You, you should not have a better friend who is of the opposite sex. For Definitely. sure. That yeah. seems clear. Right. If I have a same-sex friend who I would share more with in terms of my thoughts, feelings, and desires. No, um, that's not good either. No, that's not that bad. No. You're all... <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, because it's like, okay, like, you know, maybe... Yeah, like, should you have a, a friend who you tell kind of everything to that you kind of, you know, um, yeah, so like vent about I marriage? Have, I don't know. Is that bad? <laughs> I have a, a very good friend. We get together once a week and we like, well, like if I'm struggling with something, I'm like, I don't know how to talk to I to Joseph about this. Can I hash it out with you? You know, like mm-hmm. so that I'm less confrontational or more thoughtful once I come, you know. So like I do have a really dear friend who I do talk about a lot of things with. Um, and I would say she's one of my best friends, um, better than me. I just, we spend so much time together that it's like, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around somebody being a better 
best friend than you. But I also don't, I like, we have friends that are like, oh, my spouse is my best friend. And I'm like, it's not that you're, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't be prescriptive about it. I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like it, it's not. <laughs> Sorry. A lot, a lot, a lot, yeah. Well, <laughs> like, and, and here's like, we're not against ideas like, in some cultures, arranged marriages mm. are a thing. Yeah, in which yeah, case, yeah. like, there's a, a kind of friendship that's established in that marriage that might not have the sort of romantic flavor that we in the West are often associating with marriage. And, like, it, it, it's not um, it's not necessary for the sacrament of matrimony okay. to have that element. So the short answer is they don't have to be. Yeah. They can be. Yeah. It's probably not a bad idea to foster friendship with your spouse. Right. Just in case people were curious, I think that might be a good idea. Right. Well, it's some of these things. I mean, honestly, like you guys, you guys are normal. I can just tell you guys are normal, but there's people out there kind of who proclaim themselves to be marriage experts and they will have these very black and white lists. They're like, you must have this or you must never have oh, this, weird. you know? And so it's like, so some of these like sort of quick takes, I'm kind of like curious to see, like, do you guys have these really like strong, you know, black and white positions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's really hard to be that prescriptive. Yeah. I, I think like our sample size is very small. We, we've met a number of people in our lives that is so infinitesimally small compared to the number of people in the world <laughs> that like, anyway, good idea to befriend your spouse. Right. Good idea to foster that virtuous friendship. It should not be a relationship of use or of pleasure merely, but definitely a virtuous friendship. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, okay. Um, do you have any, um, like you guys have welcomed a new child into your life six times or brought a new baby into the world six times. Do you have any like tips for those couples who are having like they have a newborn and they're just so wrapped up in the newborn that they can't even really focus on their own relationship. Oh yeah. That's definitely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think this is where having help um, is a great time. She's asking about tips for uh, when couples have newborns and they're like incredibly short sighted because the baby's just like six inches away from them. She didn't say that. I just said that. Sorry, Chris still okay. got up to take care of a four-year-old for a moment. Um, but advice for people with newborns. I mean, it, it is an incredibly intense time mm -hmm. to, to just call it like it is, to seek out help. It will end. It will mm -hmm. end. Mm -hmm. I think, I'm like, when our first couple babies were newborns, I was like, this is terrible, and it's going on forever, and what were we thinking? And then, <laughs> And then it's over. And then you're like, oh, I miss that tiny baby. What's wrong? Like, let's have another. <laughs> yeah. And now, now I think I just, I enjoy my newborns a lot more because I know that it's just such a short mm. season. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So <laughs> I think it will what, end. what I needed to hear when I had my first was like, this won't last forever. <laughs> right. Right. You, you and the baby will sleep eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any any quick tips for dealing with um, intrusive in-laws? I think being unified about what your boundaries are mm -hmm. with each other is yeah. really important. And then being willing to hold strong to them. Um, and being able to communicate 
what happens when those boundaries aren't held. Mm. Um, Because I I think when I see intrusive in-laws, so let's just say for for an example that it's it's the the husband's in-laws that are intrusive, just for the sake of like husband's parents, the husband's parents. There we go. Husband's (laughs) parents are intrusive, and the husband and the wife decide, you know, these are our boundaries. And then the mother-in-law comes in and like breaks the boundaries. And then the husband doesn't do something about mm-hmm. it for the wife to be able to communicate. Like when you let this happen, this is what happens to me. And this is why we need those boundaries. Like, okay. And then try again. Right. So this willingness to try again, but also willingness to communicate, like what is going on? Why is this a problem? And, and what boundaries do we need to draw I think is really important and, and that might need to influence, you know, where you live or what I have one friend who her mother-in-law was particularly challenging and the mother-in-law didn't realize that she and her husband shared their phone passwords and had the same Mm. phone password. (laughs) She was looking for something like, she wasn't trying to like, look at the text from, and it like popped up a text from, and it was like, Oh, your mom's at it again, you know? Uh, And yeah. and that the the that husband was very good at you know they figured out what the boundaries were and everything but it 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 is it's hard and it is a burden and but I think yeah boundaries and conversation yeah a lot of this comes to can we communicate with each other mm-hmm. and then can we communicate with the relevant in law or parent and the idea is that we can get better at these things mm-hmm. so if it's rough now to say I know it can be better I know we can be clearer. Let's, you know, if, if you have to say, we, we need to have a solid two or three hour discussion about how to handle this. So schedule it in, go to a coffee shop and, uh, and, and really hash it out. Or if you're like, we, we need to have a serious conversation with this parent. Okay. Schedule it, have mm-hmm. it. If it doesn't go well, uh, regroup, figure out what to do. Uh, yeah. Relationships are messy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, we talked earlier about, like, this myth of the self-sufficient nuclear family. Yeah, yeah. Like, they might be intrusive because they, they realize that they have a role to play mm. and they don't know how to live it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there's no real firm guidebook anymore in how yeah. to be an extended family. And to say, like, I, I respect the fact that you want to be involved because that is natural and right and good. Let's figure out a way for this to work where we don't feel intruded upon, yeah. but where we can feel where we can welcome you and what you have to bring to the table. Yeah, and if they don't want to do that, then be like, Oh, then maybe, maybe your intention wasn't all that great. And that's a different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good point is to, to maybe first see if you can redirect. Mm. Yeah, because most people, they have really good intentions. Yeah. And there's this saying that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And it's not really true. Good intentions are essential to the moral act. If Mm. you don't have good intentions, you can't do anything good. So if they have good intentions, that's actually a really great place to start to affirm that and to say, okay, the particular action also needs to be good. And the circumstance has to be good. Let's Let's shape those. Let's work with those. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's actually a, a really great point. Um, okay, one more. It's spicy, so I'll plug my ears while you answer. 
Um, <laughs> how do you navigate uh, couples with different um, expectations about intimacy or maybe different needs um, or desires for the frequency of, of sexual intimacy? I mean, I think like anything else we talk about, it's like, do you have a time set aside to have this conversation? Mm. And do, do you know um, what that looks like? And I, I think intimacy is particularly challenging, maybe even especially in today's world where it's such an over-sexualized culture. And mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to find two people that are coming to the table with no baggage around that stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think, you know, something that I've seen in myself is things that like weren't an issue early on, like will come up, you know, oh, later, wow. you know, yeah, so it's yeah. like rediscovering and, and, and things change as babies happen and different things like that. And so, um, I think, yeah, the willingness to be able to have conversate hard conversations and to set aside time for that if necessary. Um, and, and the willingness to like really examine why I feel the way I do about the answer to this question. Like what is going on here that, that I'm unsatisfied one way or another? And is there actually some healing that needs to happen to help mm. with that? Um, what are the, what's the season of life that I'm in? And then honestly, I think the other thing too, is like, sometimes we just need to choose each other. And mm. it's like, not about like whether or not I feel like it. It's right. like, no, it is good to be, you like this is that that is the sacrament right like mm -hmm. you don't have a sacramental marriage until you have consummated consummated it, it. right and, and so i think too there's like i find you know there's seasons of life when there's just a lot going on with the children where i'm like i'm never gonna be interested <laughs> <laughs> a, but it, but i'm like but i love my spouse yeah. and so i have to say like no like i choose this and right. it it like it doesn't matter if I'm feeling excited about the idea or not. It's like no, but like I love you, and this mm -hmm. is a way to express love. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there was something that uh, an older woman told you once, uh, very early on, maybe before we were married, maybe just after, that it took them something like five years before she was able to have a climax. Oh wow! <laughs> so just oh this, my like, gosh! <laughs> like it takes it takes work yeah to like find a rhythm together right 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's gonna change your desire that's true you know? yeah that's true and, yeah and the the fact of the matter is most men and a decent number indecent number of women are very influenced by a pornified culture mm -hmm. that says like no every single encounter is going to be uh amazing and incredible and like that Probably is not the case. I mean, hopefully. Like, <laughs> right, right. But but maybe not. Yeah, yeah. So to be realistic and to, to say, like, this may take work. This mm. may take effort. This may take more conversation. And it's, like, I think in a lot of ways, it's, like, being able to have conflict together, right? Where it's, like, it takes time and energy to figure out how to do that well. The same is true in the Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, yeah. It's, like, there's, it's uh, and, and there are times where it's like, oh, this is a difficult thing or, oh, I'm actually really looking forward to this. And, and to be able to pay attention and communicate about all the pieces and parts, I think is helpful to like find a, a spot that is going to be satisfactory to, to mm. both the husband and the wife. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's great. Um, well, I've really enjoyed talking to you guys for, it's been almost an hour and a half now. Um, I feel like you guys are just very down to earth. It's been very refreshing talking to you. There's a lot of very, um, I think sometimes narrow-minded or idealistic or unrealistic portrayals of marriage sometimes, even in like the Catholic space and sometimes especially in the Catholic space. And so I think it's just good to to talk to people who, it seems like you have a good ability to um, see the nuance, to be able to kind of negotiate, to be able to be flexible in different periods of life. And like, you don't have just this sort of like rigid box that your marriage has to fit into at all times. I think um, that can, that can, trip a lot of people up when, when they feel like their marriage has to always conform to this, this, you know, ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Two unique individuals are joining together in a relationship that it's itself is unique, right? Like if you were trying to be prescriptive about every religious order has to look this way. Yeah. It's like, no, like even each like expression of a religious order is going to have unique expressions of a charism. Like why would you expect marriages to have a kind of uniformity? Like there, there are things that are essential, right? Like there are the three goods of marriage, mm-hmm. uh, procreation and education of children, the, the fidelity between the spouses and the, the actual sacramental grace itself, the character that gives it its uh, permanence. But but that's the skeleton and our bones all look pretty similar. Yeah. <laughs> but we all look pretty different. Yeah. That's a great that's analogy. One of our, our favorite things to teach couples actually is to come up with a unique family statement mm. and to cut, to come up with a way to articulate what makes their family unique. And we found with the couples that, that we work with that do this is one of the things that the women have communicated to me, especially is that they stop the comparison game. A wow. lot then, yeah, because it's like, well, I'm supposed to, mm-hmm. like, we love being homebodies, and like one of our friends, like their thing is like they like simplicity. Um, I forget what the other piece, but like, so they have a big property, and instead of having like a big riding lawnmower, they have four push mowers oh, because gosh. they know how to because they know how to fix push mowers and not they're simple devices for them. Wow, and they <laughs> have four boys who are older who can do the push mower, you know, and so yeah, it's like. Yeah. And, and that's something that she in the past would have been embarrassed about and would have compared mm. herself and be like, oh, no, we should really get a lawn, a riding lawnmower because that's what everybody in this area does. And now she's really able to be like, this is us. Yeah. With our push mowers. And my I husband like that. fixes them and likes it. So um, it's just like a sort of simple example. But I think, yeah, that, that there we are so nuanced and mm-hmm. it is such a beautiful gift. And we're frankly like stealing something from the body of Christ if we're trying to fit into mm. a box that somebody else made. Um, that's We're called to be saints. They're all so yeah, different. They are. We are too. And so are our marriages. Absolutely. That's beautiful. So if people are interested in finding more about um, you guys and what you do, where can they find all that stuff? Ouroutpost.org is probably the best place to start, which has information about our marriage membership, our dating course, as well as our podcasts. Yeah, we have both the Love Your Marriage podcast, mm-hmm. uh, which is for married couples. Um, and that's like supposed to be upbeat, short, things people can listen to on a commute quickly or, you know, doing a quick errand, whatever. Um and then we have another longer form podcast that we've been doing for five years called A Word from Our Outpost. 
just sort of like spaghetti on the wall, mm-hmm. seeing what sticks, where we have conversations about Catholicism, apostolic living, um, scripture, I don't know, all sorts of different things yeah. over the years. Yeah, so that's another podcast option, too, is a word from our outpost. And we have social media handles at our outpost. Sometimes we use them, sometimes <laughs> we don't. <laughs> so people can find us yeah. there, too, if they like. But Great. Awesome. Well, this yeah. has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me, Crystal and Joseph. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Rose. This was really fun for us, too.